Viktor Frankl said, Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's way. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Stay tuned for the next hour as Sue explores the human psyche, what makes us tick and how to live better, more fulfilled and more meaningful lives. Only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program on 101.9 High FM. I am my own guest today and my topic is the courage to continue. Uh, Mark Twain said, courage is resistance to fear, mastery of fear, not absence of fear. I think we are living in a very fear-filled world at the moment, and I'm going to be discussing various ways of counteracting that and, and living a meaningful life. But today, I'd like to dedicate this to the hostages who have now had 130 days in wherever they're being held, in awful conditions. And I'd also like to dedicate it with, to the IDF, who are fighting an existential war for Israel and for the diaspora Jews, which is becoming more and more obvious, what we in the diaspora are having to put up with. And then, of course, I would like to dedicate it to all the innocents of this awful war on all sides. Uh, to see little babies and little children freezing and hungry is, is just too shocking. But we often forget to remember the refugees of our own people in Israel who were taken from their homes brutally. Their homes were burnt and destroyed and we often were, they are never mentioned which in that massacre, the October the 7th massacre by those monsters, Hamas, and who even live stream their atrocities and yet people are already saying it wasn't true. So I would like to thank all of you who stop me and or send me messages and that I receive after my program. I really appreciate it. And also in the various shopping uh, centers and grocery stores when I'm stopped and uh, we discuss uh, issues relevant to us all. And you always seem to apologize. Anyone who stops me always apologizes. But there's no need for apology because, believe you me, I enjoy these conversations. They actually make routine shopping so much more interesting. And anyway, it might be a bit longer. But uh, I do find that swapping ideas with you all gives me ideas for my next program, which, which is great. Now, this courage in fear, how do we actually handle it? And I often tell the story of two frogs, one very large frog and one little frog. And one day they fall into a pail of milk and they move their feet again and again and again. They go on and on treading this milk, treading this milk, trying their hardest to survive. And the big one says to the little one, I'm getting tireder and tired. I don't know if I can go on. And the little one says, please, just go on. Just keep moving. Keep moving. It will get easier. Well, it never did get easier. And the big frog, as much as it tried, just could not keep moving. And eventually, he said to the little frog, I have to give up. I can't go on. And he sank to the bottom of the pail. 
The little frog was heartbroken and knew that he had to go on. And I'm going to go on with that little story shortly. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program on 101.9 High FM. Just before we went to ad break, I was telling you the story about the two frogs, one very large frog and one little frog who fell into a pail of milk. And they kept moving and they kept moving. Their little feet kept going, trying to survive. And eventually the big frog said to the little one, I can't go on. I have to give in. And the little one begged the big frog, please don't leave me on my own. Please, I need you beside me. But the big frog couldn't go on and he sank to the bottom of the the pail. And what happened to the little frog? Did he also give up and sink with the big frog? No, he never did. He kept moving his little legs, kept going. He was exhausted, no one there to help him. And yet he kept going until eventually stuff underneath him, the milk that was in this pail, began to get thicker and thicker. And eventually he was able to hop over onto the outside of the pail and freedom. What had happened was that with his continuous striving, he had changed the milk, churned that milk into butter, which gave him a foothold to jump over the side of the pail. Now, I'll tell that story especially because that is what we are so often faced with. We are the ones who are expected to go on, expected to show that even in this time of fear, we will still manage to survive and we can survive no matter how weak or old or young we might feel. Victoria Erickson said, resilience is silent and deep like roots. It doesn't announce itself. It doesn't explode outward. It doesn't fall. It doesn't break. It simply always is and you are. You're now going to be listening to a very short YouTube on Be Proud of Your Scars. When a bowl is broken in Japan, it's put back together with the cracks being filled with gold, creating a beautiful lining. This is to emphasize the beauty in what was once broken. They believe that when something has suffered damage and has a history, it makes it more beautiful. And the same goes for human beings. Everything that you've been through, everything that you're going through, doesn't make your life uglier. Although it may seem that way when we're going through it, it's up to us to choose to paint our struggles with gold and make it beautiful. You are not broken beyond repair. You can pick yourself up and learn from what's happened and become a better person from it because of the struggle that you've been through. You can wear your scars proudly as a badge of honor, as if to say, look at what I've been through. It's made me who I am today, and I can get through anything life puts in front of me now. Nobody has had a perfect life, and nobody ever will. It's only up to us if we choose to paint our broken pieces gold and make it beautiful. Don't be ashamed of what's happened to you. Everything that has happened to you has happened to you for a reason. 
So the more we deny, the more we complain and don't accept what's happened to us, then it doesn't become useful. The moment that we accept and find what's useful in the struggle, the things that we've been through, that's just like us painting the cracks in our broken pieces gold, turning something that could be ugly into something beautiful and inspiring. When what you have been through is inspiration for other people, then it was all worth it. So don't get stuck on how things used to be. I once heard a quote that said, every next level of your life will demand a new you. And sometimes it takes being broken in order to become that new version of yourself. So if you're going through hard times, I hope this video can help you or somebody that you love. My name is Sean Uranahiran. Sadiqab. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program. And you have just been listening to a short YouTube on Be Proud of Your Scars. And, you know, I think there's so much we can learn in that YouTube. First of all, it said every next level will demand a new you. And that is exactly what is being asked of us. Who is the new you? And there is a theory called the horseshoe theory. I don't know how true it is or not. But it says that the, the people, it's the horseshoe, the horseshoe theory is the theory that the, of the people the horse enjoys kicking the most. Well, at the moment, let's face it, it's the Jews and it's Israel. And especially if we look at the UN. Um, so what are we going to do about being kicked all the time and being made to feel less? Nobody can actually make us feel less. We ourselves are the only people who can demean ourselves. We have to keep going. And how do we keep going? We need to look at ourselves. What is the support system we have? What do we offer our support system? There is in, in friendship, in unity, in community, there's power there's that feeling of belonging, which is just so incredibly important. I think at the moment, with Israel being the underdog and the thousands of Israeli refugees from the homes north and south um, who've been moved in violent situations and a lot of them lost, I personally am battling with guilt. Guilt for living a comfortable life here in South Africa, where my friends and relatives in Israel are facing an existential crisis and this existential threat. So they are going into bomb shelters, sirens. I've just heard about a, a ramming attack, and uh, in, I think it was in Beit Shemesh or, or one, of, one of those towns, and they Car drive, cars driving into people at bus stops, random uh, people just standing on the side of roads, children and adults. Should I should be there helping, but I'm not. So what are my choices? We as diaspora Jews are also really struggling. And do I sit here and weep in despair as I watch the news broadcasts showing the and the pro-Palestinian marches in the UK, in the USA, in France, Australia, South Africa, 
No. So much anti-Semitism is disguised at the moment, and it's very thinly disguised as anti-Zionism, especially in our own country, South Africa. But we, I think we need to, in this country, certainly look at the lack of our basic services and our very overgrown backyard. So do I give in to fear? No. How do I go on? And going on is a choice. What do we do? How do we speak up against a derogatory comment? How do we not listen to people who tell us that the world is lost and that change is impossible? We have to realize that we personally can be the change. We are the change that we want to see. We cannot change the world, certainly, but we are being asked to be adaptable. One of the ways of being adaptable is to see where we are most needed. There's a beautiful uh, story that Bernice Steiner sent me. Thank you, Bernice. And it says, Shalom Sivan. My name is Nama Zia Kavod. One and a half months ago, the beloved son of my brother, Lieutenant Ronam Levy, fell in battle in the northern Gaza Strip. And I'm going to get back to that now. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program. If you would like to contact me, please do so on 34519 or you can telegram us on 061-895-1019. I was about to start reading you a, a short story, a very beautiful story, which is called This Is Our Light. And it's uh, Bernice Steiner sent it to me. And it's from the, the WhatsApp group Daily Portion. And it says... Shalom Sivan, my name is Nama Zer Kavod. One and a half months ago, the beloved son of my brother, Lieutenant Rotem Levy, fell in battle in the northern Gaza Strip. In his last assignment, he was a lieutenant company commander in the Yehalom unit, a special commander unit of the Combat Engineering Corps. It is important to us that the following story about him should be more widely publicized. During the Shiva morning period, one of his fellow soldiers related that in the middle of the fighting with Rotem by his side, he was suddenly unable to turn on his flashlight. And it was very dark. In despair, he said to Rotem, enough already. How much can we take? Everything is so dark. And Rotem, with amazing peace of mind, answered, look back. Do you see kibbutz near us? of whose residents around 100 were murdered, wounded, or abducted. Do you see kibbutz near us? This is our light. This is what lights our way. Words cannot describe the strength Rotem gave his fellow soldiers at that moment. He had the capacity not only to see light within absolute darkness, but also to lift the spirits of those around him in the most difficult moments. With one sentence, he had written another chapter in other, our people's glorious history. He was a hero, not only because of how he died, but also because of how he lived. If only we can inspire ourselves with this story of the flashlight, that we should succeed in seeing light when there is none, and in showing that light to those around us. 
we're now going to be listening to a short YouTube on by Rabbi Sachs, I mean by Viktor Frankl, on finding meaning in pain. We're going to meet Viktor Frankl, the internationally famous psychiatrist, writer, and lecturer. He deals with the most common ailment of our time, meaninglessness. Certainly nobody of us is spared suffering at one time or another. But everybody in the midst of suffering is given, given a chance to bear testimony of the human potential at its best, which is to turn a personal tragedy into a human triumph. Dr. Frankel, what is meant by logotherapy? Uh, therapy means uh, healing and logos means meaning thus logotherapy is really healing through meaning although this of course is an oversimplification the lesson one could learn in auschwitz and in other concentration camps in the final analysis was those who were oriented toward a meaning toward a meaning to be fulfilled by them in the future were most likely to survive. Is a finite freedom, a limited freedom. That is to say, a human being is never fully free from conditions, be they of biological or psychological or sociological uh, kind. But the ultimate freedom is always and remains always reserved to ourselves. That is the freedom to take a stand to whatever conditions might confront us. How we react to the unchangeable conditions is up to ourselves. In other words, if we cannot change a situation, we have always the last freedom to change our attitude to that situation. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program, and you've just been listening to Viktor Frankl on Finding Meaning in Pain. And as he says, when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. We, we have the freedom to take a stand against whatever's happening. What does that mean? It means to not accept what people are trying to do to us at the moment, which is to put us down as a people again, as a Jew, as individuals. They're also doing it to many other people, many Christians who are standing by us. And I really do thank all of you who are out there, who are standing with us, because we certainly need friends. Now, how does Viktor Frankl say that we should find meaning? You know, there are various ways to find meaning. He says in the creative things we do. What are those creative things we do? They are the gifts that we share, the messages that we share maybe in, in the creative things we do, whether it's art, whether it's in our words, in our writing in making an ugly space beautiful, uh, of giving people uh, a chance to go and bake challah, 
the Kitka that we enjoy on a Friday night. They're doing this in many places. That's a creative thing. And if we can do it with a community, with other people, it helps us have fun while we're doing it. And being with other people is incredibly, incredibly important. Then the experiential uh, things that we have, the experiencing something or someone. The other night, my husband called me outside to come and have a look at the beautiful moon. It was a full, full moon. And there was all the, the electricity, uh, not unusual for, for us. The electricity was off, so there were no lights all around. And it was just the darkness and this bright, bright moon. Now, we can be that brightness in the dark. We honestly can. Each of us has that spark within us that we just have to shine. Shine it into the dark places of our lives, into the dark places of other people's lives. Let us help each other find the light in the dark. Now, the experiential things are also often things that are free. I've been getting quite a few gorgeous uh, YouTubes lately showing me eagles and birds of prey uh, and lions and a lot of nature, a lot of animals, which I have just found so beautiful. And then, of course, also um, I have been getting uh, beautiful uh, pictures of uh, the ocean and um, of, of sun rising over the ocean and from friends. I so appreciate all of you friends of mine who, who keep me, keep my experiential values going by the things that you share that you have found meaningful and you share them with me and they become meaningful to me. So I would really encourage all of you to share with each other, share the good things, the beautiful things, not only the negativity. And then, of course, the third way. So we've looked at the creative things that we can do, the experiential things. And then we look at the attitude, the attitude we take towards unavoidable suffering. How do we respond? And this attitude is one of the most important aspects of being human. Um, Tony Robbins said, Amidst a world of uncertainty, there is a collective hope that resides. It's an evolutionary part of the human spirit to endure, to defy the odds, to rise. Now that is in the attitude that we adopt in all our challenges. And I have seen so many people who are facing the most dreadful, dreadful circumstances or living in the most dreadful circumstances. But in their attitude, they give hope to others. They also allow others in to be with them and to, to share in the experience with them. And let's face it. We all need others. We cannot do this alone. We, we, it, we, the world is full of injustices. And how do we cope with these? Do we fight them? Well, we can't fight everything. Uh, Elie Wiesel often spoke about vengeance and injustice. And he said it, it really amazed him that what he, he noticed that they... After the war, he could not understand ourselves. 
uh, he could not understand what was being done with the, the hatred and the anger. And he said that he was struck not only by the inefficiency, uh, inefficiency of it, uh, the, uh, uh, I mean, he was sorry, he was not struck by the vengeance, but instead he was the, that hatred leads a person to more hatred, but also to, by the potential to choose anger. And he said this anger can be harnessed and used as a call to action. He recounted the message that was later found scrawled on the walls of the concentration camps. It was scrawled everywhere, apparently. Take vengeance. And uh, Elie Wiesel, as you know, survived many concentration camps. Auschwitz, Buchenwald. And he said that after World War II, he often questioned why revenge was not enacted by all the people whose families had been murdered in the, in the Holocaust or the people who had been in the camps and severely treated. And he could not understand why revenge was not, never enacted. And then he said he asked himself how in 1945 we, the people who had survived, he talks about we, the people who had survived the Holocaust were spared that temptation of giving in to anger. And he said to himself, what happened to our anger? Where was Jewish anger? And he went on to say that that huge anger did not find release in vengeance, in an individual act that could endanger and harm others, even an entire people. So they did not give in to that individual act, that enormous anger. Instead, he said it was channeled into action and to social change, ultimately leading to the creation of the State of Israel in 1948. And throughout his life, Elie Wiesel actually asked about anger and he, he asked about vengeance and shame and it was a question that really bothered him. But look at that, that if you can channel, if we today can channel our own anger into something that can bring about social change, how incredible it would be if we can change the world for something that is good. Now, the other thing about attitude, of course, is gratitude. Why do I say gratitude? Well, we can never give up hope for a better world. It does not mean that we're being naive. It's actually being realistic, realizing that eventually things do change. I told you that little story about the frogs. Look at that little frog going on and on and on, moving its legs in that milk when its big companion had died. And it was feeling so lonely and alone and frightened. But it kept moving, kept moving. And that's what we are being called to do. We are all, each and every one of us are being asked where are you in this time of world history? What are you doing to help each other and to help yourself? Feeling gratitude is perhaps one of the most important things. To find joy where you can. Sometimes it's not easy. Optimism in a time of despair and darkness is never easy. But just like that story that I read to you about being the light, 
we have to keep reaching towards that light um, and to feel gratitude. I felt gratitude for something very sweet the other day. I was sitting outside. I might have actually told the story. And I was uh, there. We've got quite a few lizards who love to line our patio in the sun. And the one was scratching its face. I'd never seen a lizard do that before. I found it very amusing to watch it. I wondered if it was cleaning its face because it was going to go and find a mate. I wasn't sure. And the next minute I felt something on my foot. I looked down and there was another very large lizard just casually, I was barefoot, just casually climbing over my foot. Did I scream and shout? No, I did not. I actually watched this in in absolute surprise, wondering when it was going to move off my foot. It did eventually. It moved off its my foot and the other, other lizard stopped scratching. And I had a good laugh at that. And um, at the, uh, the other funny thing is, which I also find gratitude towards, we have wonderful bird life in our garden. And there was a baby robin. And every time my husband went, went to, into the garden and he was watering or he was digging up a bit of uh, soil, there was this little robin that followed him everywhere. Now, every time he went out, there the robin was. Even when our family were there on a Shabbos, there the robin was looking for my husband. It was very sweet. And so every now and again, he would throw a few seeds down for it. But in actual fact, it seemed to just enjoy the company. It grew up, and I think it's now probably got babies on its own. I don't know, but it's no longer uh, uh, following my my husband. But those are things that we were grateful for. And I think since October the 7th, through that massacre, and now that the wave of anti-Semitism around the world, we need to keep looking at gratitude. Where are we finding gratitude? And how are we helping other people to feel gratitude too? Dr. Clarissa uh, Pincola Estes, who wrote... Uh, um, women who run with the wolves says ours is not the task of fixing the entire world at once but of stretching out to mend the part of the world that is within our reach now here in South Africa we have that opportunity often every robot we go to they're beggars we don't always have money with us but we can wave at them acknowledge them, say hello. I have found this to be very, very important, actually. Important to me and important to them. Um, I also would like to talk about the the butterfly effect. Um, and butterfly effect is part of the chaos theory that people talk about. And it's, it's in the chaos uh, theory, the butterfly effect is is the, the d- dependence on initial conditions in which a small change in one state can determine uh, sm- large differences in a later stage. This, is, uh, this term, if you want to look it up, is uh, closely associated with the work of the meteorologist Edward Norton Lorenz. And it says, okay, get back to that. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. And thank you. I like to always add this. Thank you, Diskim, for all the outreach programs that you do for the larger community in South Africa. This is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program. 
And I was telling you about the butterfly effect, but in actual fact, we, in actual fact, we're going to another short YouTube uh, by Rabbi Jonathan Sachs on combating anti-Semitism. Thank you, Craig. We have to be very clear in the 21st century of a fundamental principle. Jews cannot fight anti-Semitism alone. The victim cannot cure the crime. The hated cannot cure the hate. And this is something that is sometimes very difficult to understand. With hindsight, and I think we should judge no one with hindsight because in the same situation, each one of us might so easily have made the same mistake. But in hindsight, the Jews of Germany in the 19th century made a momentous and tragic mistake. They said, since Jews are the objects of anti-Semitism, Jews must be the cause of anti-Semitism. And therefore, if we are the cause of anti-Semitism, we can be the cure of anti-Semitism. They hate us because we're different. Let's stop being different. Okay, we eat different foods. Let's get rid of the laws of kashras. We uh, observe a different holy day. Let's move Shabbos to Sunday. That's what some Jews in Germany actually did. They don't like us because we have different marriage and divorce laws. Well, let's say Dina de Malchuta Dina, the law of the land is the law. Let's stop having our own special Jewish marriages and divorces. The whole shooting match. Everything that made Jews different from others, Jews in Germany, some Jews gave up in the 19th century. How much did that diminish anti-Semitism? Not one millimeter. Why? Because it's a fallacy. Jews don't cause anti-Semitism. Something in the mind of the anti-Semite causes anti-Semitism. And therefore, if we think that is something we alone can do to cure anti-Semitism, we are making a great mistake. And therefore, we have to stand up loud and clear and say we as Jews will fight for the right of Christians anywhere in the world to live their faith without fear. But we ask Christians to stand up for the right of Jews anywhere else in the world to live their faith without fear. I personally and our community have led the fight against Islamophobia. And we always will do. But we have to ask Muslims, you have to lead the fight against Judeophobia. We have to stand together to fight hate. Not Jews alone, but every single person who cares for the sanctity of life and for a free and just and tolerant society. And we must never be left alone. We must gather allies because ultimately the hatred of Jews is hatred of difference, which is hatred of humanity. The enemies of Jews are the enemies of freedom wherever it is. And that is why we must stand together to fight hate in all its forms. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Uh, this is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program, and you are listening to Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs of Blessed Memory on combating anti-Semitism. And as he says, we can't fight anti-Semitism alone. 
please join us in this fight against anti-Semitism, against hate in general. Um, you know, enemies are Jews of Jews are the enemies of freedom. And I think what we need to understand is that whatever starts with Jews, we keep hearing, never ends with Jews. It always goes on to others. And as the Dalai Lama said, do not let the behavior of others destroy your inner peace. So what do we do? We fall, we break. But what happens then? We rise. We rise again to help one another, to help fight bigotry around the world, not only of anti-Semitism. We are seeing it more and more against other people. It's happening there as well. And I see there are a few messages that have come through. Annette Berger. Thank you, Annette. Hi, Sue. This is beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. And you say, you do I do love you. Well, I love you too. <laughs> and then Bernice Steiner, who's, who I, I, I mentioned just now with that beautiful story about the light, she said, hey, it was just in my car and heard my name. That was so sweet. Great, thanks. It means you're listening. I'm so pleased. <laughs> um, I was talking about the butterfly, uh, uh, butterfly effect, which I find very interesting because if you actually think about the butterfly effect, it says, uh, uh, I was looking it up and it says, give real life examples. So it talks about random encounters. For instance, chance encounters with strangers, which can lead to life changing events. For instance, meeting someone at a social gathering might result in a job offer, a new friendship, or even a romantic relationship that alters the course of one's life. So it's one example, one effect which is the butterfly effect that in influences others. And what is considered butterfly effect? It's a property of the chaotic system, such as the atmosphere, by which small changes in initial conditions can lead to large-scale changes. And uh, I think this is something that we need to understand of what is happening now. A lot of people have said to me, feeling so... On, uh, on edge, I'm not sleeping properly. I feel anxious all day. I don't know what's happening. Well, I know what's happening. There is a war going on, not only in Israel and Gaza, in the Middle East, no, in Russia and Ukraine as well. And while we, we're not hearing much about that, that is going on. Hundreds and hundreds of people are being displaced around the whole world and we are feeling that effect. That is the butterfly effect. And we need to understand that we have to make sure that in our own lives, this butterfly effect, we're going to be putting out positivity, not negativity. In, our, in every single small action or event, let's look at how we might just be... Um, touching someone else's life and um, small shifts in, your, in our own thinking and small changes in our energy field uh, can lead to massive changes in the people around us. Have you ever walked into a, an area and felt a terrible atmosphere? We'll get back to that. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Only on 101.9 High FM. 
right. I was talking about the butterfly effect just before we went to um, to ad break. And this is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program. And we need to understand what is the energy that we're putting out there? What what are we telling the world? Do people want to be in our circle when we arrive or do people scatter? I'm sure you've all been in an area where someone arrives and you can see in their faces that they are going to suddenly start pouring out everything that they feel is wrong in the world. And what happens? (laughs) Sometimes it's the most... uh, (laughs) <laughs> what well, probably the most polite person who's left there listening to this. Uh, Craig is just passing me something. It says, Hi Sue, the Japanese kintsugi art of repairing with gold reminds me of Leonard Cohen's beautiful and hopeful song, the anthem, Ring the Bells That Still Can Ring. Forget the perfect offering there's a crack in everything that's how the light gets in thanks sue for the light of hope and courage you spread you don't say who it's from so i really do oh it's you jude in australia thank you jude you suddenly popped up there and then judy moritz two judy's hard two of my really people i love (laughs) sue you are magic thank you both love judy moritz Thank you, Jude. You know, um, there you are. Both those people, by the way, bring unbelievable messages of hope and positivity into every single group that they go into. Many of you know Judy Moritz and Judy Erwig. A lot of your children actually uh, grew up listening to her music. You know, Joe Dispenza, Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about Fear is not the opposite of love. It is the absence of love. And I think when I talk about people coming into a group and the energy they bring, perhaps it's that that's missing. It's that love, the love for humanity, the love for others, the love that we know we do have inside us. We sometimes have to reach deep inside to spread that love, to spread that light. But let's all try our hardest to do so. Um, Especially now in this time, let's strive to leave the world a better place. There's a beautiful song. It's a gospel song, actually, by um, Christa Berg I was listening to, and it said, A Few More Miles to Go. And um, I thought to myself, that's exactly what it is. It's our walk with our brothers and sisters, our family and friends. We need to start walking with determination, with our heads held high. We are, each and every one of us, a special person. We are unique. Let's show our unique, our uniqueness to the world. Let's not give in to fear. Because as Joe Dispenza said, fear is not the opposite of love. It is the absence of love. So let us embrace that love. And back to gratitude. I do think that gratitude is something we so often forget to to, exp- to express to, to each other and certainly to the world. And the world is full of injustices at the moment, but we can't fight these alone. As, as um, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs said, we need others to fight with us. So anyone who's listening in, 
please be aware that we are going through a tough time as Jews in this country, in South Africa, as Jews in the UK, in Australia, around the world. Everyone is going through a tough time at the moment. And whoever can stand with us and stand by us, we so appreciate it. And we know that there are a lot of you out there. And I bless your lives with great blessings. And I would just like to end by just telling you about uh, um, something that's going to be happening on the 28th of February. It's it's going to be um, at Sandringham at, um, at Sandr- it's at social services at jhbhev.co.za. If you want to know anything about it, it's a finding meaning in suffering, and it, it's um, how we search for meaning in the face of challenges. I will be talking there. And it is a logotherapy um, for Institute of the Log- uh, Victor Frankl Institute of Logotherapy in South Africa. And we will be exploring. We've got some great speakers and it's finding meaning in suffering. You're going to be listening to a song that I only heard the other day and I hope you're going to enjoy it. It's called Avraham and it's by the eighth, uh, uh, what's it called? The eighth day. Thank you, Craig. Thank you so much, Craig, and thank you, Vusi, and thank you all for listening. If it doesn't, it won't be coming through. The song will not be on the podcast, so look it up. It's called Abraham, and it's by the eighth day.